Greetings and salutations, and welcome once again to the Capeless Crusaders Live at the time from the digital safe house. This is the Azorian one, Anthony Steves. And uh, in case you can't tell, I, uh, I'm all alone. There's no other Crusaders here. It's just me. Just you and me alone. Creepy, right? A little creepy. Uh, yes, I am the only Crusader host with you for this episode. Um, Amy and Manerson and the good old Dr. Barry could not make it for this one, but we had to get this trilogy finished for you. So had to get this episode to you. Couldn't put it on hold anymore. So it's going to be me right here alone in the digital safe house talking to you because, uh, you know, I think, uh, I think I got a nice voice to be able to sit back and chat with you. No, you know, I mean, I think I think I'm okay to listen to um, on my own. I think. I mean, maybe. Josh, what do you think? Josh, think I'm all right? Well, I'm, I'm talking to Josh as if he's here, uh, being able to produce me like he's on the spot. That's not how this works. Anyway, uh, did not want to put this episode on hold for you because we have a trilogy to finish. That's right, a very haunting trilogy to finish. And if you're listening to the last two episodes, you know exactly what I'm talking about. This is the third installment of the three features of fright that we've been given to you. Uh, you are of course listening to this on November 1st. So of course, happy Dia de, Dia de los Muertos or Dia de los Muertos. Um, we, uh, sure, uh, Halloween was yesterday. Um, hope you enjoyed it. Hope you had a great Halloween, however way you, uh, however way you, uh, celebrated, whether you took little ones trick-or-treating or sat back and watched horror movies all day. Hope it was good for you. Uh, the Three Features of Fright does fit perfectly into Dia de los Muertos, so of course I thought, why not just end it on this day? Why not? We can fit it in there. So that's why you're getting the third and final installment of the three features of fright on this November 1st, 2021. And as always, this episode is brought to you in part by the Nerdon Nation, powered by Patreon. The Nerdon Nation allows us to keep the lights on and up our quality. As a member of the Nerdon Nation, for as little as $1 to $5 a month, you get early access to episodes, a Discord community over at nerdon.tv slash discord bonus episodes and so much more remember to check it all out at nerdon.tv slash patreon and i gotta i gotta do this part in the in the creepy voice because again third and final installment i gotta do this here we go and of course for anything related to the capeless crusaders and nerdon you can head on over to the capelesscrusaders.com or nerdon.tv your hub for all things crusaders and nerdon from there, you can find all our content as well as the rest of the Nerd On podcast family. So there you go. There's my there's the, there's my final reading of this dark and twisted voice that I've been using for these last three installments. And again, thank you for continuing with us through these three features of fright. Um, you all know I'm a big horror fanatic, and I wanted to do something that would incorporate the horror genre uh, this time around, and maybe we'll do something the same uh, next year or, or something along the same lines, some other sort of horror sp 
spooky, Samhain, Halloween, All Hallows Eve, uh, Dia de los Muertos feel that will uh, continue from here on out. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. This uh, this Three Futures of Fright was uh, something I sprung up, and I think it's been fun. I think it's been cool. Reading comics I never read before that give me that, uh, that spooky, tingly feeling down my spine. So really enjoyed that. Now, however, as always, although I'm here by myself, I'm going to have a very special version of a segment we always do. And of course, that segment is the very well-known, the world-renowned segment of the Capeless Crusaders, known as Around the Horn. Mm, yes, still keeping the gothic tones. I like it. I like it. So, uh, in this version of Around the Horn, I'm going to make it a cinematic version of Around the Horn. That's right. I'm going to discuss what I've been watching this wonderful spooky season this wonderful spooky season uh thankfully the fantastic people over at amc the cable channel not the theaters the cable network they kicked off their fear fest way back on october 1st and it was glorious it's beautiful it used to be where it was only i think they first started off as a whole month thing and then as time went on it began where it became like only two weeks long or two and a half weeks long, sometimes three weeks. There was once when it was only one week and that pissed me off. That really pissed me off once. I'm like, one week of horror movies? That's it? Really? No. Thankfully, AMC has not been doing that. And for the past two years now, their fear fests have been all month long from October 1st to October 31st. And actually this year, as you're listening to us now on the Dia de los Muertos, it's still going on. November 1st and November 2nd, they are continuing Fear Fest with some horror movies uh, ending on November 2nd uh, at midnight. So you get, what, 32, 33 days of horror movies this year, which is just a beautiful thing to do by the fine folks over at AMC. Do they sponsor us? No, but I wouldn't mind it. Um, so they've had these fantastic marathons uh, they've had uh, the halloween marathons of course they've had scream marathons uh the hills have eyes uh dawn of the dead annabelle conjuring it's been fabulous i've loved all, every second of it as i do every year uh coming what came out came out this year on hbo max was the movie malignant directed by james wan who's well known for his work on saw the Conjuring directed Aquaman. Did uh, also executive produced the Swamp Thing series on the then uh, DC Network. I believe we were calling it the DC Universe app, whatever it was called. I forgot what it was. Uh, had some hope to it, but only got one season because it was too expensive to keep going. Watch Malignant. Um, it was on HBO Max until October fourth, I believe. For uh, until October eleventh, excuse me, October eleventh. And you know it was. It was creepy. It was it was an odd storyline. It it felt like James Wan was trying to make a '90s horror movie today, um, right down to everyone wearing some wigs that you could really tell they were wigs, even if you knew the when you knew the actor or the actress. You're like, yeah, that's that's not their hair. This this is a wig they're wearing, which is something they would have pulled back in the '90s. You know what? Okay, we're gonna go with this. Um, creepy take, uh, there's of course a, a social commentary in it. Um, 
there's a, a twist and very odd, very odd um, uh, paranormal character in this. I guess it'd be paranormal, somewhat, somewhat paranormal. Um, but you know what? I, I I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. It was odd. There were there were weak points. There were flaws. But for the most part, I enjoyed it. It didn't feel like the James Wan that I'm used to. Like there's elements in there where it was like, yeah, okay, that's that's that James Wan conjuring feeling I'm getting right now. That's that's James. But a lot of it felt different from what his usual stories are like. And very weird, very odd. Um, but, you know, for the most part, I enjoyed it. I'm an easy sell on horror movies as long as I'm interested in the characters. You know, I, I, I don't think they're all fantastic, of course. There's great cinematic masterpieces in the horror genre. And there's some that are just, you know, really fun things to put on, to laugh at or, you know, scream at, whichever one it is. So... That was one of them. Um, uh, after that, of course, I the one I was really waiting for, the big one. Oh, excuse me. Before I get to that, um, watched Freaky on HBO Max as well. Freaky, fantastic, uh, dark humor horror movie. I've talked about it before. It was on again HBO Max. Check it out. It's got Vince Vaughn in it. It's written by Michael Kennedy. Uh, it's a fantastic homage uh, send off to the slasher movie of the 90s it's like friday the 13th mixed with freaky friday so well done if you haven't seen it it's hilarious it's also scary and gory it's worth your time freaky it's on hbo max right now uh add it to your list to both uh you know something you can scream and laugh at while you're watching it um and of course, the buildup was to the big one I've been waiting for this whole year. I've been waiting for since 2018. Um, the Laurie Strode story continuing with Halloween Kills, starring Jamie Lee Curtis, um, Judy Greer, Will Patton, um, di- written and directed, excuse me, written by David Gordon Green and Danny McBride, directed by David Gordon Green. It is the follow up to. 2018's Halloween, which continues the storyline of Laurie Strode 40 years, 40 years after surviving the 1978 Halloween attack of Michael Myers. And I was, it's always going to be hard to live. John Carpenter's 1978 Halloween is a masterpiece. It is a horror movie. That stands above so many. Uh, that movie is why you have Jason. It's why you have Freddy Krueger. It's why you have Ghostface. Those slashers exist because of Halloween. So every sequel that's come out, while I enjoy them, while I will watch them over and over again, while I will think some sequels are really good over the others, they're never going to be the John Carpenter classic. And what I do thoroughly enjoy about David Gordon Green and, and Danny McBride's take is the focus on the trauma that has affected Laurie Strode since that fateful night back in 1978, how it stuck with her all these years, and how it's changed her life, how it's, it's, it's you know, it's flipped her life on its head, gave her a 180, whatever dreams she had were shattered and it's completely destroyed her. And she's been living through this pain 
for these four decades. And now she has a, a grown adult daughter, a granddaughter in high school, and Michael's Broken Free Again. That was a 28, that was the 2018 uh, film. And so it had the great showdown of Lori finally coming face to face with her attacker and trapping him in her house and setting a blaze. Ultimately, we believe killing Michael Myers. Well, Halloween Kills starts right from that point. And we find out that, you know, Lori goes to the hospital with her daughter and granddaughter, Karen and Allison. Uh, but firefighters make their way to her house, put out the fire, and while doing so, are attacked and viciously mauled by Michael Myers, who was still alive. He found a way to seclude himself in the house, not get burnt, uh, and just rampage out and head back into Haddonfield. And so knowing that this is the second chapter in a planned trilogy, um, this one, I had assumed going into it that there was going to have like an Empire Strikes Back tone to it. That it was going to be it's going to end by by that tone. It was going to end on a bad note for our protagonists, like Empire Strikes Back did. Han Solo was captured. Luke faced off with Darth, got his hand cut off. It was a you know it was a it was a it was a defeat for the good guys in Empire Strikes Back, and that's what I was expecting with Halloween Kills. Knowing that we had a third one coming, I felt this would be one where Michael is going to rampage, and. In the end, he will be the one standing, and someone will fall from our protagonist side. And that's what we got. I'm not going to tell you what happened. I'm not going to tell you who, but that's what we got. Now, I really, uh, the, the, the body count is higher in this one. Michael's rage is uh, crazier than it was in the first one. Um, you have some great callbacks to the classic by bringing back the two characters that Laurie was babysitting that night in 78, uh, Tommy Doyle and um, Lindsay. Um, now the actress playing Lindsay is the original actress, the original person, um, Kyle Richards, but uh, playing Tommy is actually the great Anthony Michael Hall, who we all know from Breakfast Club, 16 Candles, uh, those of you found fans like me of the Nolan trilogy, he was in the Dark Knight, and he does a fantastic turn here with Tommy. Tommy Doyle's become this—he's also enraged, he's angered, and now that he knows that Michael is free, he wants payback. He wants to find Michael, and he wants to kill him. And he coins the phrase "Evil dies tonight." And there's a great, there's a great send up, and it gets a lot of it gets a lot of humor on Twitter about him riling up the entire community and everyone shouting evil dies tonight and chasing down someone they think is Michael, but it's not Michael and it goes on and it ends up turning out bad. And I love that scene because it was kind of a, you know, a commentary on the way we've been for the past 18 months in this country. Uh, I, I saw in those, in that scene, in those evil dies tonight moments, I saw what I've been seeing on the news the past 12 to 18 months. So I'm like, that's that's spot on. And good horror movies are social commentaries. So it nailed it on that one. Um, it was more of a horror movie this time around with Halloween Kills. And instead of a character study with the last one, 
there's pros and cons in both films. Um, but like I said, I'm really like the angle that McBride and Gordon Green take on this Halloween tale, uh, continuing directly from the first movie. And um, I am intrigued and excited to see what happens next year with Halloween ends and seeing how they end their tale. And, you know, it's, we know it's coming. We know we're getting the showdown between Lori and Michael, but it's all going to be on how they do it um, with everything we learn about in Halloween kills regarding Michael's rage, regarding the entire city, the entire town's trauma um, the essence of evil that he is. It's going to be interesting, interesting to see how this plays out between Laurie and Michael, but we have a whole year to wait for that. So a lot of speculation until that time, but yes, those were my three cinematic around the horns to, uh, let you in on malignant freaky. And of course, Halloween kills. Those are my three around the horns for you. So, uh, with that said, with those out of the way, it is now time to talk about the main topic today. It is episode 175. It is the third installment of the three features of Fright. And in our first installment, of course, we talked about volume one of Revival. Uh, in our second installment, we talked about Something is Killing the Children, volume one as well. And we wanted to end, of course, on another horror story, uh, with this one being more of a probably the more the most horror filled slasher esque comic of these three installments. And it was actually found by Amy. So big thank you to Amy on this one to find it. We went with 2015's survivors club created by Lauren Bukes, Dale Halverson and Ryan Kelly. Now uh, Lauren and Lauren Bukes and Dale Halverson are the writers, and the artist, of course, is Ryan Kelly, with lettering by Clem Robbins and coloring by Eva de la Cruz, and editors Rowena Yao and Shelley Bond. And I wanted to, I'm glad we got this because our last two stories predominantly featured um, women as our protagonists, written by men. And with this one, Lauren Bukes is your head creative writer. And we have quite an inclusive cast of characters in this book, in this series. Uh, it's nine issues long. So unlike the first two installments where we just covered volume one, uh, for this one, I'm covering, we read all nine issues. Although you don't have Amy Manderson here, Amy did read all nine issues as well as I did. Um, nine issues long, read the whole thing, went, ran from October 2015 to June 2016. And here is the synopsis for this Survivor's Club graphic novel. Let me get my voice ready here for you. Okay, here we go. What if the horror movies of the 1980s were real? Where are those kids today? The haunted house, the demonic doll, the cursed video game, the monstrous neighbor, the vengeful ghost, the killer imaginary friend. In 1987, a wave of horrors struck six communities around the globe. Six traumatized kids survived those events and grew up haunted by what happened to them. Almost 30 years later, these six survivors are drawn together in Los Angeles 
to confront a terrifying childhood nightmare that has returned, bring up their own traumas, and dragging their dark secrets into the light. Somehow, they're all connected. But when personal horrors collide, they'll be forced to confront one another's, de- one another's demons. And then, they'll discover that staying alive was only the beginning. Yeah? Huh? How about that? All right, how about that? So that says a lot about the book right there off the top, uh, off the bat. And um, these six survivors are brought together, uh, and they each had a horrific moment that occurred to them in 1987. And they're trying to figure out, and half of them are skeptical, and they're trying to figure out why we're all connected, what makes us connected. And as we get deeper and deeper into the story, we get we get the horror that happened to them as children and how it's infected them their, their entire life. Again, playing on the trauma thing there. Infected them their entire life and ultimately takes them to a point where they need each other to defeat each other's demons. And if they're able to do so. This comic definitely had a a 80s cinema feel to it. Amy had a quote that um, I wanted to read on here for you about she's not feeling well at the time of this recording. So uh, I don't want to bring her on, but she did want to get her two cents put in there. But she did say the 80s movie feel is alive and well in this book. And she's absolutely right. When I read this, the, the first two things I could think of, the style they went with was the Nightmare on Elm Street stories and then throw in a little Final Destination. And it's, there's a haunted house, there's this uh, possessed video game, and there's the, um, a, a, a family member that is beating one of our characters. Um, the video game story comes from South Africa, so it deals with the apartheid in there. It was just so visual and so in depth with the horror story, the horror narrative of it. it. They did their research. Lauren Bukes did her research, knows this genre very well to write this story. And it, it was one of those where it's very hard to be scared by a comic book because, again, the pages are right there. You're seeing what's coming. You just kind of got to put yourself in that eerie mood. But the visuals of this, um, the visuals they use with the coloring, the eyes, the the intense red of the blood that they use, the 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 haunted house portion of it, the, the Muskegee house, as it's called. Um, it was so well done. It was so good. It, it, it felt like you were reading a film. Um, I'm looking through some of the pages right now on my iPad, and it's it. You see elements that you have seen in you know. There's there's I see Poltergeist in here. I see Nightmare on Elm Street, like I said before. I see I see some Conjuring moments in this. It's very visceral, very visceral, and very ingrained in the characters. And and in their stories told. And it 
I appreciate this because it's you you're dealing with a genre that relies heavily on, you know, on jump scares, on score, on just the visuals that are used, the CGI or the the you know, the real um special effects, practical effects. And with this comic, they they were able to bring those elements on each panel, each panel featuring these elements I'm talking about. And that's, that's the work of their artist, uh, Ryan Kelly, who pulled this off. And it, it does so, so well. I mean, there's, there's, there's characters in here and it, it delves back to the little moments in each story that fuels each character's arc each character's trauma each character's uh antagonist that they have to deal with it's a thriller it's an investigative story so well done um for those of you who appreciate the horror genre you'll really enjoy this your main characters in here are chinzira moleko tio reyes kiri nomura simon wickman Alice Taylor Newsom and Harvey Lisker. These are our six young survivors who have now come together in order to uh, deal with their trauma. And regarding any sort of adaptations with this story, back in November of 2018, so three years ago, it was announced that a television series based on Survivors Club was in development at the CW from Warner Brothers. Uh, Jared Frieder and Len Goldstein were attached to the potential drama series as, as executive producers, with the former also set to write the pilot script. Um, the uh, the script was not picked up to pilot by the CW by the CW for 2019-2020, and there's been no further developments uh, at this time. That I'm kind of happy they didn't, because if I want this to be done right. I don't want it to be on the CW. And that's not a dig on the CW. There's there's plenty of shows that I've been very tied to that have been on the CW. Even back when it was called the WB. Uh, Smallville. Um, Arrow. Flash. Supergirl. It, it's, uh, it's a fine network for my favorite DC stories. By the way, I didn't mention this at the beginning. Survivor's Club is a vertigo piece it's a vertical work so of course it's going to be under the dc banner which would put it in the hands of warner brothers um but i would not want to see survivors club on cw that is not the spot it should be on this is something that should be on a streaming service this should be an hbo max series because if you put this on cw you're going to you're going to remove a lot of what isn't is an important part of this story and it is the horror factor it is the gore the slasher elements the horror in there if you put it on cw it's gonna lose half of what this comic has and that's i mean i know cw did supernatural and supernatural had its moments it was tv 14 they took it certain areas but this is beyond that this is farther than that this is an element a a a level that requires the TVMA treatment. You know, HBO Max would be a spot for Survivor's Club because that's that's going to give the freedom to tell this entire story 
without holding it back. And this story is an odd one. It is odd. It is out there. It is wild. There's there's infestation in a human body that uh, continues in one of our protagonists that we see develop as time goes on. We see the imaginary friend who's actually a murderous psychopath telling this you know young man to do certain things. Uh, there's two young women who are uh, exact, exact identical, and one is nice and kind, and the other is the opposite. And the things that those two do, that's not a CW thing. This is something that's got to be free to roam and, and let loose and be as crazy as it is. So uh, while I'm sad there is not a TV adaptation yet for it, I'm happy that it did not go through with CW. This is something that requires the HBO treatment. It, yeah, that, that that's it, it's 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 a TVMA series. It can't be a TV14. It's a TVMA. It has to be. Um, there are some great panels in here. Uh, great moments of Alice, one of our main one of our characters, just sitting cross-legged on the ground surrounded by weapons and blood and just looking straight at you, looking straight into you, the reader saying something along the lines of don't hold out on me. Scary Poppins. You must have finishing. You must have fishing line in your technicolor murder coat somewhere. Cause she's trying to put this character back together after having killed it. And it, yep, I know makes no sense to you right now. Read it. If you can, um, it's just, it's it's funny, it's eerie, it's heartbreaking, it's freaky, freaky as shit. Um, and you will just get callbacks to some of your favorite horror movie traditions, horror films, what, uh, horror shows you enjoyed, books you've read in the past. You're going to get shout outs to it. The haunted house portion of it is the most nightmare on elm street-esque feeling and i'm talking about that when like when you're in the dream world and freddy just contorts your whole world and you think you go in one direction and you you're, you walk into somewhere else and you think you get away and you can't just like just like your nightmares are to you this house has that effect in this comic series before you know it you're somewhere else the boards are moving and the secret to that house to that house that is revealed in the end is phenomenal. It's fantastic. Um, but yeah, it, it is a perfect, it was a perfect choice in concluding uh our, our trilogy here because it is the culmination of all things horror that I was going for with this series. Revival was the rural noir eerie story with zombie-esque elements to it. Uh something is killing the children again had that slow burn to it that leads to this horror-filled uh, finale. But there was a slow burn. You had to wait for it to earn it. With, with this one, with Survivor's Club, it is horror right off the bat. It's slasher right in your face. And it never lets go. And it only builds a story more as it goes on. For all the blood and gore that's in this story, the, in this comic, the story itself continues to grow and develop and become more complex. And before you know it, by the time you're in issue seven, suddenly you're realizing why all these things are connected, why these six individuals are connected to each other, why they're demons, 
are connected to each other. And by the end, by the epilogue of issue nine, you're breathless. You're you're satisfied because it was such a great payoff toward the end, and even leaves you with a wait a minute, could there be something else coming? Is this, is this like a good horror movie does? Is is this really the end, or is there more to come? Oh my god! So well done. So again, uh, that was Survivors Club, again written by Lauren Bukes and Dale Halverson and Ryan Kelly with the artwork. Um, it is nine issues. It came out in October 2015, ran to June 2016. If you have not read this before, go pick it up. If you have, read it again. Um, it's available on Amazon. I don't believe it's on Comixology yet, but your best bet is to get it on Amazon or go to your favorite comic book shop and ask them to get you a copy of Survivor's Club. Get it, add it to your collection. It's worth it. Even if you're not a big horror fan, give this reading a try. I believe the story itself will grab you enough to where you will stay to stay glued to it. And in the end, I think you'll enjoy the story. And if not, well, just say that a Steve's is full of shit and just move on from there. Sound good? Good. <laughs> so that is the final chapter. The final installment of this year's three features of fright here at the Capeless Crusaders. Thank you for rolling along with us. Uh, thank you for focusing on the horror aspect with us on this one. It felt very good for me. I hope it was good for you. So it's weird giving those jokes when I'm the only one here. You know, Amy and David and Manish aren't here to laugh about it or you know, laugh at me. It's just, just me saying one-liners to myself looking at my computer. Yeah. Yeah. That's what it's like in a dark room in a very, very dark room like that. Sounds good. Uh, again, thank you for enjoying this, this trifecta that we here, the campus crusaders were happy to bring to you. Uh, and wishing you, of course, a happy De Los Muertos if you're listening to us on November 1st. If you're listening to this after November 1st, well, I still hope you had a happy Halloween and a happy De Los Muertos. Okay? I hope that's all right with you. Um, as always, please, if you enjoyed the show and you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, like, subscribe, leave a review, tell us how much you enjoy the show, um, hit us up on social media. We're on Twitter, at The Capeless Ones, Instagram, at The Capeless Crusaders, and of course on Facebook, The Capeless Crusaders. Um, hit us up, message us, DM, slide into our DMs, ask us ask us any questions you have, leave comments, and we will get back to you. Trust me, because I'm the one who runs our social media. So yes, I will get back to you as quickly as possible. So yes, feel free to hit us up, but please like and subscribe to the show leave us reviews it helps us a lot it helps keep the lights on along with being a part of our patreon as i told you at the top of the hour top of the hour am i on a radio show am i live on the radio top of the hour news and weather top of the hour um thank you again for listening on behalf of the other my other faithful compadres my fellow crusaders themselves dr barry amy and Manderson, on behalf of them, 
we here at the Capeless Crusaders, throat's getting dry. Mouth's getting dry. It's it's slipping. I'm slipping. We, the Capeless <laughs> still doing it. We, the Capeless Crusaders, thank you for listening. We hope you had a happy Halloween. We hope you have a happy Dia de los Muertos. And we'll see you uh, throughout the rest of this holiday season. As always, to all of you, wishing you all a happy Samhain and a happy All Hallows Eve and a happy Dia de los Muertos. This is the Azorian one of the Capeless Crusaders, wishing you a very... Good night. Ha 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 